Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back to all of you returning friends and a warm welcome to everyone who is new to this channel. I hope that each and every one of you is doing amazingly well and feeling peaceful with whatever chapter of your life you might currently be in. In today's episode, we are talking about the shadow and what we are going to cover is a description of what the shadow is along with some examples of how it can manifest in our lives. And we will briefly review five ways to help identify the shadow self and five ways in which you can transform, heal, or integrate the shadow self, which is more commonly referred to as shadow work. So the shadow is a term that was coined by Dr. Carl Jung in the field of psychology that describes the unknown dark side of our personality, which resides in the unconscious or subconscious mind. And according to Dr. Jung, everyone has a shadow and the less it is embodied in a person's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. So the shadow is often referred to as the dark, disowned, or suppressed side of the self. So this often represents any part of you that is not exposed to the light of consciousness and is often made up of the repressed ideas, weaknesses, desires, instincts, shortcomings, and sometimes even strengths. Now this concept was widely recognized in the spiritual world for centuries, way before Dr. Jung introduced it to the main mainstream world. And in particular, this idea has been used in many ancient healing traditions, and most notably in shamanism. Now, the difference between the psychological and spiritual depiction of the shadow is that within spirituality, the so-called shadow self is viewed as a more multifaceted experience that isn't just seen as a part of the unconscious mind alone. In spirituality, we approach this idea of the suppression of self on various levels, including chakra system, the energy body, various energetic channels, and some even believe it to be strongly connected to past life experiences. So the shadow is born in childhood as a result of interactions we have with the people in our lives. And through this social conditioning, trauma, guilt, shame, judgment, and our need to fit into cultural norms and expectations, we end up suppressing the traits that those around us disapprove of. And as a result, we form a new identity. But more specifically, we categorize our identity as this is me and this is not me. And all the things that you deem as the not me part of you actually get incorporated into this shadow. And as a result, we become a fragmented version of ourselves. And sometimes we even end up suppressing qualities that were meant to be strengths because of judgment by others as well. So really, throughout the good majority of our lives, the shadow kind of serves as a blind spot that shows up in our lives almost impulsively. And furthermore to this, our unconscious shadow creates a filter for our experience of reality which often becomes a distorted perspective on life. And the existence of this shadow is one of the main contributing factors to the reason why you may repeatedly draw in the same scenarios without understanding why. 
And just a quick distinction that I want to make before moving into some examples um, of how the shadow might manifest is the difference between the shadow and the ego. Now, the ego is a conscious expression of yourself. It is often a psychological projection that steps in consciously to protect us from anything that we see as dangerous or threatening. So with that, let's use some real life examples of how the shadow can show up in our lives to make more sense of this whole topic. So one way that the shadow shows up for many is in situations where we might find ourselves saying something harsh to someone else and then immediately regretting it. That, in fact, is a representation of the impulsive nature of the shadow because you end up expressing how you deeply feel without a filter and then you regret it because you feel like you have exposed a part of yourself that you have been hiding for a very long time. And oftentimes you see this happening when alcohol is involved because it creates a momentary separation from the ego and conscious mind, which is constantly telling you how to behave. So you express yourself unhindered and then end up regretting it later on due to that deeply rooted shame associated with your free self-expression. So on the same note, another manifestation of the shadow is when someone who, with a snap of a finger, completely changes personalities. And this may seem very irrational from an outside perspective, but in fact, their shadow self is being exposed after years of suppression. So those were just a couple of really brief examples of how the shadow manifests in our adult life. So let's take a step back and refer to some examples of how these things develop throughout our childhood. So let's say as a child, you were told over and over again that you are strong because you don't display big emotional reactions or even perhaps have been punished for expressing your emotions. So you may internalize this to mean that showing any type of emotion is a sign of weakness and weakness is always something that most people don't display in front of others because of fears around being accepted. So you may grow up learning to bottle up your emotions and every once in a while feel like you're going to have a complete breakdown because of how hard you are trying to hold it all together. So in this situation, Emotional expression becomes a part of your shadow and how this may show up in the energetic realm is a blocked heart chakra or a rigid physical body as a result of this energetic rigidity that you may feel within. And as children, since we're absorbing everything that's going on in our environment, in particular in relation to this idea of the shadow, we're absorbing certain language around what it means to be good or bad. So we begin to suppress these so-called bad qualities within ourselves. And down the line, we end up judging others for displaying these exact qualities that we have now deemed as unacceptable because of our upbringing. And it's interesting because our understanding of what is good or bad is very much dependent on our family's values or lack thereof. So something that one family might find disrespectful may be completely normal for another. So this is where we begin to see such a wide array of personalities and the various shadows that we create for ourselves. So let's say that you were told that you ask for too much as a child, or perhaps you recognized early on that your family didn't have the means to provide you with everything that you wanted. So if you internalize expressing your needs as an unacceptable or unattainable quality in your adult life, you might find that it's very difficult for you to not only accept help from others, but also very difficult to even ask for help in the first place. 
So another example of this would be growing up with very strict parents and therefore you might have felt as a child that you needed to maintain a certain level of obedience and in your adult life you may find that you don't often question authority and you tend to obey the rules as they are laid out for you and then you might look down on those who break the rules or stand up for what they believe in. Another very common way that we often see the shadow self expressed is in those individuals who exercise power over others who aren't in a position to fight back. And the most common dynamic that we see this in is among customers and retail workers. And oftentimes this involves someone who may have been subjected to abuse or bullied as a child, and they may have internalized their kindness as a sign of weakness. So they feel the need to domineer Um, over others or constantly stand up for themselves. So this person may have suppressed their compassion and understanding side because they see these traits as weaknesses. And in adult life, they begin to bully others as a means of not feeling that way again, which often can be traced back to this very, very suppressed aspect of their shadow. Now, it's interesting because two individuals can react very differently towards the exact same scenario, depending on what qualities they have strengthened over the years as a counter mechanism to their shadow. And I'm going to give an example and show the two different manifestations of it to elaborate on this point. So let's say that your self-expression was judged in childhood. So you incorporated your ability to express yourself into your shadow and disowned that part of yourself. And Throughout your life, certain experiences may have caused you to have a tendency towards falling easily into jealousy, bitterness, and resentment. So if you ever run across a person who is speaking and walking their truth, your immediate response might be, well, who do they think they are? And you might fall into a variety of different judgments towards that person versus someone else who identifies strongly with being very helpless and powerless might look at a strong autonomous individual and admire them for the courage to express what they themselves feel that they are incapable of doing. So it really does depend both on our environment and our natural predispositions as human beings, because we are all very unique and different And the response to life that we have can vary quite vastly. And that becomes the essence of how we express ourselves to the outside world, which really shows up as what parts of us we are willing to show the outside world and what parts of us we hide away. Now, something important that I want to highlight is that it's not always the qualities that we deem as negative that get incorporated into the shadow. And sometimes we end up pushing away the things that make us really great into the shadow self as well. And a very important way that this shows up for many of us is through our intuition in childhood. And so what happens is most children have a very strong sense of intuition in particular about who they want to be around and who they want to stay away from. So let's say as a child, you tended to shy away from certain people that you didn't feel very safe around. And as a means to be polite, your parents might have said, oh, well, don't be shy or they won't hurt you and you begin to disconnect more and more from your intuition because you have no logical way of explaining why you feel the way that you do and you don't want to embarrass your family so you begin to move away from your inner knowing because you are trusting the adults in your life. So overall, you can see how the more you ignore this shadow part of yourself, the stronger its hold becomes on you. But the scary part is that it's often so deeply buried beneath the surface that it ends up controlling you without your conscious awareness. And as a result, the shadow begins to draw in what it resonates with. 
So your deeply buried beliefs about friendships, relationships, family dynamics, and all of that, all of those various aspects of life draw in more and more people that reflect back to your shadow self. But if you don't know that it exists, you will feel very powerless in life thinking, why does this always keep happening to me? And because you deem certain qualities about yourself as unacceptable, you actually don't identify with them as a part of you. And what ends up happening is that you end up feeling very divided as an individual. You may be drawn to certain things, but you don't pursue them. You may admire qualities in others that you feel you don't have within yourself. So this often happens with certain judgments. Let's say that you have always been very judgmental towards people who are free spirited and live life moment by moment. And you may think, what an idiot, like how do they not have any sense of structure or um, they don't have any idea what they're doing with their lives, but deep down inside that may have been a quality that you had as a child that you was not accepted. So you buried it so deeply inside that you no longer recognize it as a part of yourself. And instead you dissociate and project that very shadow onto everyone around you. So really this whole idea of shadow work is essentially the unpacking of the story that led us to this point in our lives. And in order to start off on this journey, we can begin by understanding that life is multifaceted. And in order to live a whole life, we need to be aware of all the parts of us that contribute to our wholeness, because we cannot be whole if we're dissociated or ignoring certain parts of ourselves. So with that, let's move into the five ways that you can begin to identify the shadow. The first step is through your triggers. If you begin to pay close attention to who or what triggers you, you will begin to shine light on your shadow. You can start by assessing the times you feel angry, upset, or irritated by others and ask yourself what about the situation is upsetting to you. What is causing you to have such a charged emotional response to a seemingly powerless situation? This will begin to help you to understand where your sudden impulses are actually stemming from. The second way that you can begin to identify your shadow is through your projections and projections are essentially when we ascribe our weaknesses to others. And because the shadow causes a distortion of reality, we tend to project all the things we hate about ourselves or wish we had within ourselves onto others. So if we don't want to be viewed as stupid, we project that onto others and label everyone else as stupid. If we don't want to seem weak, we create power dynamics whereby everyone else around us is inferior. If we don't want to be rejected, we reject everyone around us because we fear that behavior for ourselves. So this happens often with dishonesty as well, where someone who is very dishonest with themselves and others will always think that everyone around them is lying to them or not being truthful. The third way of identifying the shadow is through judgments because the way you judge others is based on your own weaknesses and these can be both internal and external judgments as well. So this includes both the fear of judgment by others and your own predispositions to judge others. And how you can start here is by asking yourself, what traits are you the most critical about in yourself and in others? What parts of yourself do you dislike or judge most frequently? What do you most often blame others for? Because again, we end up judging others because we are deeply afraid of being judged in the exact same way. The fourth way of identifying the shadow is through patterns. This is very valuable, but sometimes hard for people to catch onto because it's difficult to weave patterns when you are emotionally attached to the situation. So when you are approaching 
the scenario from a fresh objective perspective, you can ask yourself, what type of people do I attract into my life? What role do I commonly take on in relationships? And by doing this, you can get to the core of it by seeing what themes repeat in various dynamics in your life and where you feel most stuck. The fifth way in which you can identify your shadow is by assessing your upbringing. So doing a mindful assessment of your childhood is also a very great place to start by exploring whether or not you were completely accepted by those around you. What were some of the things that were expected of you? What behaviors and emotions were judged by your parents, teachers, or friends? And then you can begin to tell a story about why you are the way that you are. So with that, let's move into five ways of transforming our relationship with the shadow self. So some refer to this process as shadow work, as I've mentioned already, which is really essentially the integration of the shadow into the whole. So the first way we can begin to do this is by realization. The first step of anything really is acknowledgement an acknowledgement of the existence of the shadow through neutral awareness. So you want to begin to shine light on this so-called dark side of you without judgment and accept that it is a part of you without labeling it as good or bad. The second step is by transcending the ego which helps you to gain wisdom and step into a more conscious awareness by dissolving your fears and embodying more of yourself. Which if you guys remember, I referred to the ego as taking on the protector role. So often it steps in to guard the shadow and therefore not allow for healing or transformation to take place. So dissolving the ego is a very important step in shadow work because it allows you to dig deeper and deeper without feeling blocked. The third step is giving your shadow love. We have talked about acceptance and acknowledgement, but the best way to heal any aspect of yourself is by pouring love into it. So once you have identified the shadow as a part of yourself, then you can begin to embrace this part of yourself and you can, through that love, tr completely transform it. The fourth step is self-discovery. So you want to consider any issue in your life and ask yourself, how does this scenario make me feel? And then you can begin to let go of the shame, guilt, or fear and ask what you wish the outcome to be. Do you want to simply accept this certain pattern in your life or are you ready to transform it entirely? So set an intention for your self-discovery and this can be work that you do either by yourself or with a healer and you can begin to console yourself by saying it's okay to feel this way. I'm allowing myself to rediscover who I am and there is no shame in that. And honestly, the whole aim of this podcast is to help you guys along the self-discovery journey. So don't feel overwhelmed by this because we will continue to explore this topic in future episodes layer by layer. The fifth and final approach in integrating the shadow self is through spiritual practices. And this involves anything such as journaling, meditation, rituals, breathing exercises, or therapy with a more spiritual approach. And really in essence, what all of these practices are helping you to do is to lay the foundation for the rest of the work to take place because they help you to find the underlying belief that is causing the behavior and then you can slowly begin to unravel the story from there and a really um, beautiful way that you can also begin from a spiritual perspective to tap into the shadow aspect is through a mindful assessment of the dreams that you're having because we most often are trying to resolve our subconscious blocks in our dream space and that can show up in various ways including symbols images and archetypes so beginning to pay attention to your dreams as well is another really great place to start 
And if any of you guys are interested in working with me, I do offer a very holistic and spiritual approach to therapy as well. And that goes beyond what you are used to conventionally. So for those of you who are interested, feel free to contact me by email if you would like to learn about what it would look like to work together. So with that, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is, what behaviors do I judge about myself? Prompt number two, in what situations am I defensive, shut down, or reactive? And prompt number three, what behavior do I mostly judge in others? All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this week's topic and that you found it enlightening in many ways. Again, if you ever feel called, share this with someone that you think might benefit from it. Uh, Feel free to leave a review for me as well so that we can together spread the message so that more and more people can begin to really tap into their personal power and autonomy. So until next time, have a beautiful rest of your week and I will connect with you guys in a future episode.